In this episode, Ryan and I talk about life insurance underwriting, ratings, cannabis, and stories from the front lines. And we had fun doing it. Thank you for listening. Hope you enjoy. All right, welcome to the Banking with Life podcast. I'm your host, James Nethery. And I am your co-host, Ryan Griggs. And we're here Saturday morning, having fun, excited to be here. And I hope some of the pre-conversation is recorded so we can release it later. Because Mr. Griggs was uh, extra funny this morning. Okay. So, all right. Thanks for listening. Yeah. We actually did come up with a topic. We have a topic, a dedicated topic, and it's the subject of underwriting status. Underwriting in the life insurance industry. But too, as we were talking this morning about underwriting, all of this really came from, you know, it comes from our experience. Yeah. And then um, some of the experience recently in the last couple of weeks. So in addition to underwriting, we're going to bring in kind of a separate we're gonna there's gonna be a distinct difference all right separation between underwriting ratings and stories from the front lines yeah so two segments here we'll cover the more you know technical topic but based on questions that we get and concerns that people have and then move to some stories and try to maintain my composure through all of those. <laughs> oh, yeah, you can do it. So, I mean, we, we, if we talk about underwriting, let's just, you know, life insurance underwriting. Everyone knows that life insurance is issued based on age and health, right? If we, we should know, right? If saying, we don't do know, do now we know. know. <laughs> all life insurance, it's, it's priced by age and health, right? So The face amount is. The life insurance. Right. Yes, the, the death, death benefit. benefit. Right. <clears throat> and um, there's, uh, I don't know if we can really even get two segments into this one episode because you can really unpack a, an awful lot. Well, let me set the stage. Okay, so you, we interact with a client. They've, of course, watched the entire podcast. They've read Becoming Your Own Banker five times. And they're, they're ready to start infinite banking. So they, we make contact, we have our initial conversations, do a financial review, maybe review of whatever other life insurance may be in force. Eventually we get to an application, submit an application for a new policy uh, or policies. And then the underwriting phase happens where underwriters of the life insurance companies evaluate the financial and the medical status of the proposed insured and in some cases the owner as well. Uh, at the conclusion of that underwriting process, a particular status is assigned to the proposed insured on the application, right? Called a rating. Called a rating, yeah. So you might be, and of course, leave it to the life insurance companies, leave it to American financial corporations to apply any number of different terminology and vocabulary terms oh, to these various ratings. I sometimes describe it as, you know, getting on a, one of those, one of these particular airlines that's begging for a bailout right now. They've got which eight, one? they're all begging eight for a bailout. million different boarding groups, right? Yeah, diamond, diamond plus, <laughs> <Gold> ruby, <studded. laughs> silver, platinum, 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 oh, right. platinum, platinum plus, <laughs> world traveler plus platinum. Yeah. And then you're in group one. 
You're like a <laughs> 75th person to, to board, right? Yeah. Yeah. So same principle <clears throat> in life insurance underwriting, all different sorts of names. Right? But the, in, in general, there's usually a standard, right? Uh, average, you know, the majority of people who have a, the average health, so a standard underwriting status. And they'll normally distinguish between tobacco or nicotine users and non-tobacco, non-nicotine users. So you have a standard non-tobacco. And then the cannabis user, where do they fit? How does a life insurance company look at that? That's a legitimate point to make there. Is it that, is. Yeah. And oftentimes, a life insurance company will treat the presence of cannabinoids, right? The presence of THC. cannabis in the blood, THC, uh, as nicotine. I mean, here, it, it, let's just talk about this for Not a minute. Not saying that that's right or anything. Just brought up. That. You know, the life insurance company is just trying to properly price life insurance, the death benefit, right? right? Which they don't want to pay anytime soon. You know, they're going to pay it because it's a guaranteed obligation to the life insurance company. Yeah. So they're going to pay it. They just don't want to pay it anytime soon. And they really only have one opportunity to underwrite you. You know, yes. have a 120-year life expectancy and you're applying for life insurance within a, you know, two or three, four-week period. That's their opportunity mm-hmm. to get it right. Yeah. <laughs> you know? um, but on the, on the hemp, on the uh, THC, the cannabinoids, and it, and it makes a difference whether you um, indulge smoking or using edibles, whether you're in a state that has legalized recreational use or medicinal use. So all those things make a difference. Um, Here's what I have found to be true. You know, life insurance is a Western concept, (laughs) a Western civilization concept. And so they use Western medicine to underwrite life insurance. All right. And there's really no historical data when it comes to um, cannabis use right. on the life expectancy of the individual. Right. And let me tell you what, I'm, I'm, I've said many times, I'm an anarcho-capitalist, if you have to put me in a box. I don't care what you do, just um, don't harm others and don't steal. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Just kinda, all right. So if you use cannabis, God bless you. Yep. Right? I talk with the underwriters all the time, and I'm like, aren't you gonna feel awkward whenever the data shows that uh, cannabis probably uh, lengthens the life expectancy? <laughs> Improves the mortality experience <laughs> right. of the company? And so, and, and they're, you know, they are. The great individuals, you know, I mean, they're just, that's their job is to do. Well, then what can they do? I mean, there's a mountain of regulations, yes. and everybody looking over their shoulder. Yes. You know, they they got to follow. And Western medicine says this is bad and it's going to kill you. And right. I'm just saying, uh, if you're going to own life insurance, I'm, I'm, let me just point out that if you own life insurance um, and that life insurance company, you know, has a method or to, to price life insurance for people who use cannabis in any form and you're a policyholder of that company and my expectation turns out to be correct that those policies are going to be much more profitable hmm. for the company it's going to directly affect my dividend because I'm an owner of the company I'm just saying hmm. 
Um, Imagine that. Uh, well, thanks for letting me talk about cannabis. Absolutely. Well, that, and so it goes back to the point. So there's <clears> a, usually a distinction between nicotine or cannabis users, non-nicotine, non-cannabis users. Uh, well, and some companies put the cannabis user into the nicotine, you know, category. Right. And that's what I'm saying. Some do not. So there's there's that distinction. There's the standard distinction. There's usually one or two uh, ratings above standard for you know, superior health status. Uh, might be preferred, super preferred, uh, whatever the preferred various plus, diamond plus, ruby plus plus, and then below standard for varying degrees of substandard or what are called table ratings. There's any number of five, six, seven, eight different degrees below standard. And so you might be table rated A or table rated B or C or D, right? These are all various e, degrees F, of substandard. G, H, yeah. I, and the, J. The, the change in your underwriting status affects the pricing of the death benefit, right? So. Well, where you're at at the time of application. Right. Because that's what they're looking at. If it changes in the future, it only changes if you're purchasing more or going through underwriting yeah. in the future. All this is at the time of application. Once a policy's in force, it's in force, period. Mm -hmm. As long as you pay the premium. Right. Yeah. As long as the premium is paid. But understand what I'm saying there. Like, we're, we're talking about the effect on the pricing of the face amount, on the pricing of the death benefit. Right? Oftentimes for the purposes of the infinite banking concept, we're interested in accumulation of cash value, of capital, right? So two different things there, right? The pricing of the death benefit, and then a separate question, okay, is there an effect on the cash value? And in most instances, unless there's like a severe problem uh, in the underwriting or in the medical record, <coughs> The, what, the, the determining or the, how should I say, the, the most influential factor determining the accumulation of cash value is not the underwriting status. It's the composition of the policy. It's the structure of the policy. The way we allocate your total annual premium across the two main components, right? That composition, the structure of the policy is what will have the greater influence on just how much cash value you accumulate and just how quickly you accumulate it, right? So don't mingle the two together here. We're, we are talking about underwriting status, we're talking about rating, because oftentimes, maybe we should have started here with this, because- I the, wanted to talk reason, about cannabis. No, I see that. <laughs> You're wearing <laughs> green, it's like, what's, what are you up to on a weekend here? quarantined in Texas. <laughs> uh, uh, the reason we want to talk about it is because it does come up. Right, we get people who are older, have a higher, quote, attained age, or people who have a significant medical history, or maybe they're managing a chronic condition, something like that. And they're concerned that their, that medical record, their perspective underwriting status is going to affect their ability to do the infinite banking concept, right? That's, and that's a question we get. That's why we want to talk about it. It's not talked about a lot by the various marketing gurus and internet huckster types because it's an in-depth <laughs> topic, but, <laughs> but we gonna get it, right? So the, the you know, my initial <clears throat> precaution is to not preemptively preclude yourself from doing infinite banking just because you think you have a health history. 
and and you may in fact do. Uh, the other thing that happens is that uh, people who believe they're healthy, oh yeah, who come to the table, who go to an application, discover that some doctor who was worried about a lawsuit put a little note in their medical record and forgot to verbalize a recommendation to go see a specialist to the person who thinks they're healthy. Forgot. Or yeah. just as a matter of practice, Forgot. doesn't discuss all the notes that is in one's medical records. Right? Maybe so. they've you know they're only allowed by hospital administration to spend eight minutes with you, so they got to you know, you know pass the I, pleasantries and then move on. Whatever the eight reason minutes, might be, they've got to see sixty-five patients a day. All right. Uh, Listen, I'm not trying to do math this morning. Okay, perfect. Listen, when I learned that, when I when I learned the importance of medical records, it was about a long time ago. Okay, yeah. I have a I had a client going through underwriting and uh, she initially the company uh, didn't want to issue the policy they wanted to decline it mm. they wanted to decline it and so you know you, you as an agent advisor you know you go to bat for your clients right so getting down to the root of that issue she lived way out in the country on, on the outskirts of a large town okay new subdivision and <laughs> She got up one night and took a shotgun to some skunks or possums or raccoons in her trash. Right, so the city doctor, and then she had a doctor's appointment. She goes to the doctor to get a checkup. She was fine. She actually uh, eventually got issued standard. But the doctor's making notes in the medical mm. records about her adventures the night before. Ah, And... I don't know what the commentary was. I don't read the medical records. I'm not a physician. Don't want to be. Don't want to. Don't want to be an underwriter. But I'm just saying, what did the city doctor have the need? Why did he have the need to write that in the medical records? Maybe he felt intimidated. Uh, felt uh, maybe he did. <laughs> and, and maybe he did. And then, but two, you know, when we try to preclude ourselves, or um, quite often, I see and I hear. I'm sure you do too. Where well, I want to I want to I want to put policies in force on my children because they're going to have a better rating. I hear that all or the, the cost time. is going to be lower. Yeah. Um, and at the end of the day, life insurance is priced as a cost per thousand of death benefit, right? So we all pay a price for the death benefit. And the older we get, the closer to mortality we are. The cost of the death benefit is higher. Right. All right. So in dividend paying whole life in whole life insurance, um, even traditional stock company issued whole life. I'm not talking about universal life and I'm not talking about term insurance. Um, and it gets very, very fundamental to what is wrong with universal life insurance is the cost of the insurance. So in whole life insurance, once the policy is in force, I mean, the cost of insurance doesn't go up. That is built in, it's all combined. The cash value, the death benefit, Right, so it doesn't change into the future. So if I'm young, younger, the cost of the, so I say it like this, if I'm gonna pay a $10,000 premium, for example, and I'm 20 years of age, I may have a $400,000 death benefit. And I'm just talking numbers for illustrative purposes. If I'm 30, the same 10,000 in the same structure, trying to structure for cash, and buy just enough death benefit so I can have a, as much cash as possible without um, jeopardizing the integrity of the policy over my lifetime, you know, I'd wind up with maybe 300,000 
in death benefit. And then the older I get, the death benefit comes down. We're solving for cash. It's going to be relatively the same yep. or very, very close. The adjustment is on the death benefit. So the older I get, if I pay a $10,000 premium, I may wind up with a hundred or $150,000 base amount mm-hmm. compared to the 20-year-old that has a $400,000 base amount yep. with the same premium. But so the cost of the death benefit is higher as we're older, of course. Yeah. Because we have a shorter time period to pay premium before we graduate. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's all math. It's mathematical. Let me blow that up a little bit. So, like, I want to make sure we're not losing anybody here. When we say oh, that the, y- Y'all were with me, right? <laughs> <laughs> when we say that... My interpreter. You, you said it's... I'm not interpreting you, but I, I want to go deeper. The when you say it's the... It's going to be relatively the same when they say the cash value is going to be relatively the same for the same amount of premium paid to a policy where the insured is 20 years old versus 30 years old what we mean by that so recall that like if you look at equipment financing part four nelson nash becoming your own banker and that little upper left or upper right hand corner where they break out the premium thank you you see the difference between he's saying that because you want to tell him why you're saying that who made the suggestion to put that? At one time, you know, I don't, I don't remember what edition it was, but that key was not on each page mm-hmm. of the illustration, you know, part, illustration one, two, three, four, and five. Yep. It was my suggestion and encouragement that that key be on every page. Yeah, and it's so good. And it's, and it's, that, it's, so. it's good that it is there because it, it illustrates very clearly that that total $40,000 premium is being split across the two main components, the base premium and the paid up additional premium or PUA premium. And it's the, and I, let's preface this, this little idea out there in the world that the base pays for the death benefit and the PUA buys cash oh my God. can go fly a kite. I mean, that's not correct. P- paid up additional refers to paid up additional Definitely. death benefit, right? It's not as if the PUA is purchasing cash. You can't purchase cash without buying the death benefit, right? The cash value is the net present value of the death benefit. You only get cash because the PUA is <laughs> buying death benefit, right? So that terminology is incorrect. And it's not helping anybody by diluting and simplifying for the sake of marketing. Well, it may be helping them short term, the marketer, the hucksters that are saying that to, to, to like dumb it down. Yeah. Right. It's like this bay, this buys death benefit, this buys cash is completely wrong. Not only is it wrong, it's misleading. Yes. Right. And, and I, I wonder sometimes I really do. I wonder if these individuals know the difference or are they ignorant and don't know yeah it, um, we should assume angelic intentions yeah. and, and yeah. you know happy little ignorance and yeah. everyone's just doing their best right yeah well well and so and, and two if you pay a premium if you write a check to the life insurance company you're either paying a premium or you're paying a loan repayment period so money into the pua is premium money into the base is premium money for a term, rider, if you use them, is a premium. It is all premium. Premium. And Not there's two distinct cash flows. You know, if I'm paying a premium and I'm collateralizing the cash value to do some financing and now I'm going to create a loan repayment, those are two distinct cash flows. Yeah. All right. So all of these uh, exciting 
uh, mesmerizing presentations and cash flow charts that come up on the left or the right. Um, I think a lot of them are built exactly to mesmerize. And I'll save some of this for the uh, stories yeah, from the front lines. clean ahead and get right into the next Well, let me we tell you there. what. I, this, I, I had a conversation. That, I was kidding. I'm not, <laughs> so I don't want to forget. Last week, the week before, this week, James, we've talked to so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so. And um, I'm like, that's great. And they provided these flow charts and oh. blah, blah, blah. Can you provide us a flow chart? And I said, no, absolutely not. The people that you have spoke with in this particular case were very competent. Right? And their flow charts were pretty similar is what I was told. And I'm like, they're very confident to create flow charts. Why would you want me to create another flow chart? And then I kind of admonished him a little bit because, you know, he'd been kicking around the idea of the infinite banking concept for six or seven years. And I'm like, my God, man, what's wrong? So I'm just saying you don't need a flow chart. I mean, is it, can it be beneficial? It can be if you're a numbers person and a spreadsheet person. I understand that. If you understand what's going on with a dividend-paying life insurance policy, as structured from the genesis of Nelson Nash, um, and then you understand the company, the mechanics of the policy that you put your money in, and you're working with a competent, competent, knowledgeable practitioner, you will get to success, all right? Yeah. And you don't have to be mesmerized by flowcharts and presentations. So you feel better? Yeah, a little. Yeah. <laughs> Progress. Okay, I am going to button this point up. Okay. So there are two component premiums, base and PUA. Going back to this <clears> idea <throat> that the you have the relatively similar cash value accumulation for a given level of premium paid either to a younger person or paid to a policy where the younger where the person insured is younger versus a policy where the insured person is older right when we say that the composition of the premium is what is the determining or the most influential factor on the cash value accumulation it's because the paid up additional premium that PUA premium is what's driving cash value generation in the early years right so it's a question of how much of that total annual premium of that given premium is going to the PUA that's what's driving your cash value accumulation early on, right? And that's why we two years. And that's why we say that the. That's why I'm trying to make a distinction between how underwriting status affects the pricing of the death benefit, right? The underwriting status and the composition of the policy, as far as how the premium is structured, are two totally separate points. Absolutely. Right? And so you can have someone who's rated preferred and someone who's t rated table A and build the policies with a similar structure with each and have similar cash value generation in the early years, yeah. right? Yeah. So yes. the, we have to, but it's a big problem out there. That we, we think that, oh, because I'm older or because I'm unhealthy or because I've got this medical history that I therefore cannot be the insured person. I cannot do IBC because of that underwriting status. And that's just, we're crossing categories. Yeah, that, like, exactly. That that's one separate. distinct, you know, yes, you should, if you want to practice the infinite banking concept, you should see if you're insurable. And if you think about that, um, I get it. You know, generally middle-aged men avoid doctors for whatever reason, um, and nobody wants to go through underwriting. Nobody wants to take an exam. Nobody wants to be scrutinized financially or medically. I understand that. Um, 
but it is worth it if you're going to practice the infinite bank concept or if you're going to leave a legacy or all of these things that you can do with life insurance. And and I want to make a couple of points here. I, I learned early in my career that when you go through underwriting, um, if there's something wrong with you medically, wouldn't you want to know? It's okay to find out about that. So then you can address it better than like, oh, I don't want to find out, so I don't have to address it. And then, oh, I don't know, all of a sudden you're 55 years old and you have a heart attack straight out and you, because you avoided you know, health care, just as an example. Um, consequently, you may be healthier than you think. Uh-huh, you know, that you, happens. You may be healthier than you think. And then and I also want to say in the, in the life insurance industry, 200 years of, you know, quote unquote competition, what we're talking about here is nothing new other than the PUA that developed, you know, within our lifetime, my yeah. lifetime, not yours. Not mine. <laughs> <laughs> okay. um, all of these, these illustrations, and I don't ask for illustrations. They are sent to me and said, James, look what I've done or look what... You know, and God bless you. I, my heart goes out to many, many people. But the life insurance industry and these life insurance agents or these advisors who, you know, can't build their own illustration, they're they're just trying to put a price on it. You're trying to commoditize life insurance. You know, just trying to turn it into a commodity. I want to get the premium just low enough for you to say yes, so I get paid. Right, and then I'll be gone, and then you'll, you know, it's like, whatever. Because life insurance is so good that we can't pay too much premium. Right? Yeah, yeah, we're going to pay <laughs> as least amount as possible. Okay, so they they run, typically they run all these illustrations at preferred, super preferred. I see that, yeah, You know, and you time. look at the driver's license, and the, the poor little guy is, you know, 5'2 and 295 pounds, you know, or whatever. Look at me, I'm like 6'1 and 250. I'm not getting preferred, you know, and I'm okay with that. Right. So... It's kind of, it's another way that's very common in the industry to create an appealing illustration. Yes. And then if you take that illustration and run it through one of these click funnels with one of these mesmerizing presentations, it's like a shell game, Mm. right? All right, another story from the front line. We're not there yet. Yeah, we are. (laughs) I said we are. (laughs) An individual... An older gentleman, <clears throat> 60, late 60s, right? You're like, James, this is a, a proposal that I've been given and I'm interested in, and I'm, 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 I'm right there and I don't know what to do. My heart goes out to him. Yeah. It's like, look at you. I, like have, you're I know this. exactly. No, I know I have my own, this version of, I have my own version of that story three days ago. I mean, how often does this happen? And then, and then you look, your heart goes out to them. He's like, I know I'm not your client, but I don't know who to trust. That's like, oh. And, yeah. and then you go through that and you want to, you look at what the proposal was, the, the man was given and, 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 you know, the pressure to make a decision. And, and it's like, the, and whoever created this should be fired immediately. <laughs> is, is, and if that was my father or my friend, I would want to, uh, not good. I'm just saying, yep. this particular show game was like, oh, if you, if, you, if you take all the money out of this and it costs a lot of money to get out of that and you put it into this entity, this legal entity, then you'll avoid all the taxes and then you, you pay these, these god-awful premiums for a god-awful company with a god-awful structure. <laughs> And the and the client is supposed to be okay with all of that. Yeah, it's like I'm just saying it was just a it was a it was a pretty good example of a shell game. 
Yeah. You know, and the companies that the agent was writing with and the marketing organization that the agent was presenting himself or associated with, everybody listening to this podcast episode would recognize them. Mm. You know, and then, and then the uh, huckster was like throwing out the name of Nelson Nash and mm -hmm. infinite banking concept and even banking with life, come to find out. Oh, imagine you know, that. anyway. Well, I have to say that- I, we, I've got more, so I'm just saying I've I got know more. You do. And I'm, <laughs> and I'm just saying we structure policies better than we do these episodes, okay? <laughs> but look, we have a free-flowing conversation, right? Uh, well, I want to, go, going well, back to the ratings- just because you had notes, here. it didn't mean they were like, you know, in order and- Oh, no, they're in pretty good order. <laughs> but I, I want to make this point about- uh, the old, you know, someone who's older or unhealthier, and and you brought it up earlier. The idea of oh, I, I'm going to insure my kids. Gosh, this happened like two times this week. I want to insure my kids. I got to get policies on my kids because yeah. they're younger. It's going to be better for yeah. them because they're younger. Right. And I just want to say, oh, you know, everyone can have their opinion. I'm not, you know, I don't know exactly what people mean when they say that, but I want to make this point that if so we're talking about family. We're talking about kids, right? So the, these kids are going to outlive you, and then they're going to have their own kids. And so there's an intergenerational aspect here. So the question becomes, if we're listening to Nelson Nash, and we're thinking long range, and if we're not afraid to capitalize, then the question becomes, how best can we maximize your present financial resources for the benefit of the generations to follow you, right? Generations that you might not, that, well, you won't eventually even meet. Right, so you know, do we want to take a premium? Do, uh, do we want to take a, a dollar of income and use it as premium for a policy insuring a child, where it's going to generate eh, about dollar for dollar cash value towards the end of that policy year, or do we want to use that same dollar and pay premium to a policy insuring that older generation, insuring the parent? where it's gonna create more than a dollar of death benefit, right? A multiple of that premium dollar in death benefit, right? Now, so, look, the death benefit on the older generation's policies, right, for you parents and grandparents, death benefit outstanding on your life is just future premium for your kids and their kids, right? <laughs> what? And that future premium is just going to generate additional cash value. Okay, and all that capital transfer is gonna happen, oh, on an income tax-free basis. So if there's other assets in this scenario, if there's businesses, if there's homes, if there's real estate, if there's whatever, if there's a need for liquidity, which, and don't we always underestimate our need for capital. One more time. Yeah. If there's a need for liquidity <coughs> to efficiently transfer assets from one generation to the next, not just to, in terms of maximizing the financial purchasing power from one generation to the next, but if we need the liquidity in order to transfer other assets, the best thing you could do, and even conventional advisors agree, is to have a whole whopping load of death benefit outstanding to help you do that. Right? Well, that so don't jump clean. So when I, when I hear the claim that it's better to insure the kids. It's like, just make sure we're taking into full account all the potential applications of Nelson's concept, right? The even distribution of age classes, part five, is a legitimate part of the book. Infinite banking is not just about cash value year one, year two. 
right? Infinite banking is about maximizing your financial legacy through the generations. And, if, and, and the nice thing is you don't have to forfeit or sacrifice or give up. It's not a mutually exclusive decision. No. It's not, oh, I'm either going to help my kids and grandkids or I'm going to improve my own financial circumstances. No, no, not at all, right? Properly structured, a policy ensuring you, the older generation in the family, is going to produce cash value. It's going to be there as available collateral on a loan, right? You, you're, you will have all of the... Uh, benefits and abilities that accrue to the owner of life insurance, right? You, you will become your own banker. And so it, it's not like we're giving something up in the present to benefit the future. Everything fits together. It's all integrated, right? We check all these boxes when we pay as much, pre I mean, it all comes down to it's okay to pay a premium. It's always a good day to pay a premium, right? It's okay to channel that pre those premium dollars into policies ensuring that older generation to maximize the amount of death benefit, which is just going to go income tax-free and become premium payable to policies on future generations. <clears throat> and then that system, notice, is iterative. You can scale it off into the future, right? Your kids will do it. Their kids will do it. Their kids will do it. And it's just up, 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 and up, right? It might even call it an infinite banking concept. What? I don't know what the time marks on there were, but I'm gonna clip that out and like make a little trailer. You should. <laughs> I mean, but, you, uh, you I get that. Well, I have to. I have to share that with people who. Yeah, yeah, have, no, every day. I yeah. mean, you, you brought up an even distribution of age class. I think it's on page seventy-one, and Nelson's becoming your own banker. And if you look at that, he's he separates the generations into four distinct generations. Right, the oldest generation has all of the money. Right. Yep. And he's skipping the children and buying policies on the grandchildren. What is not necessarily fleshed out is, um, and, and there's some examples of that in, illustrated, in, in, in the illustrations of Nelson's work, like the uh, cost of a college education, mm -hmm. the child $2,000 a year in premium on a child for 22 years. What's not shown is that the parents were fully insured. The grandparents were God, fully insured. That's such a key point. It's like we talk about this, it, it, and, and, and it gets back to the underwriting. There's, you, you have to be healthy enough to qualify for life insurance, but there's also financial underwriting, which people don't necessarily understand. You can't put a $100,000 premium on a child if you, if you don't have any insurance as a parent or the grandparent. So there are requirements, right? Um, but let me say this, in an even distribution of age classes, just like illustration number two in equipment financing, I want you to, to make these connections. And you agents and advisors um, listening, um, this will benefit you if you mark the time here. And go, go back and listen to this and check me out what I'm saying. Illustration number two. Nelson, in the six illustrations of equipment financing, didn't finance a truck until the fifth year mm -hmm. he paid premium for four years all right and then he he the logger from eastern north carolina was replacing a logging truck every four years so nelson didn't do anything that the guy wasn't already doing all right all right if you look at the cash value in the second year in equipment financing in illustration number two that logger could have financed a truck in the second year and if he would have, all of the numbers on the right side of that ledger would have been 
greater. They would have been larger. They would have been bigger. The numbers would be bigger. The dividends would have gone up. The cash value would have gone up. The death benefit would have gone up. All right, and just go do the math. Get your spreadsheets, get your calculators. <laughs> no, just, all right. And, and for the consumer, for the, for the individual vetting this, um, go and look, see the numbers, the concept, <laughs> the numbers prove it. The very same thing could be done in an even distribution of age classes. Mm. If the grandparents are insurable, they should buy life insurance on themselves and the children and the grandchildren and the children should buy life insurance on themselves and the grandchildren, their children and their grandchildren. Talk about generational wealth, multi-generational, intergenerational. You can't even conceive of what can be built. Yeah. Yeah. So you've got to get past the noise of life insurance is bad and all these financial gurus that agents out here are only doing things for commissions and all the nefarious you know life insurance companies i get to the point um talking to people that come to the table with preconceived ideas and i've said it most people's understanding of life insurance is based on someone else's misconception right the life insurance companies are not nefarious entities. They are not looking how to beat you out of money, right? They're not, and, and, and the average agent and advisor out there, I believe, talk about angelic intentions, I believe that they're trying to provide service for their clients. In every industry, you have the schmuck, the huckster, right? Yes, every single one of them, all industries. All industries. I mean, the marketplace, you know, over time will vet them out but they multiply like cockroaches, Yep. you know? So they're always gonna be with us. So knowledge is your best defense. And, and you know that, I'm, of course you know that. That's why you're listening. And that's why we love you, <laughs> okay? Yeah. Um, my point being is the Nelson boiled it down to four fundamentals, not to oversimplify, but just to stay on track. Yeah. Right, think long range. You can think past, the average American can't think past week. As a collective society, we can't think past 70 years. You know, just go back every 70 years and see what keeps reoccurring in history, mm -hmm. throughout recorded history. I'm just saying, think long term, think past, you know, your life, and maybe even the next generation. Don't be afraid to capitalize. I mean, we're speaking to this exactly. And then, because we have a tendency to think short term and we and we we don't understand the ramifications of life insurance over time, you know, we may be hesitant to pay a premium. And then the hucksters take full advantage of that. It's like here, I'll contort this policy. I will sacrifice the integrity of this policy to get you to say yes so I get paid. Please get out of the industry. Please. You know, I, I don't even just get out of the industry, right? <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. All right. And yeah. then once you put money in there, it's like you don't have to immediately take a loan. Loans do not make the infinite banking concept better. So you've got to be able to see through all of these magical illustrations, money in, money out, money in, money out, money in, money out. I mean, you're just wearing the, the, the staff of a life insurance company's home office out. Yeah. Right? You're not creating value into that policy. Mm -hmm. And now if it's true, and it is, that capital attracts opportunity, just load up the policies 
with a properly structured policy, with a legitimate, well-run life insurance company, and the opportunities will come. You know, you don't have to go out and be a hard money lender in real estate and compete with the hedge funds, right? right? I mean, oh my gosh, how much money do you want to lose? How negative in interest rates do you want to go? Right. I'm just making a point that Nelson is right. He's right then, he's right now. And it's okay to embrace the simplicity of paying a premium, right? right? And I've said it before too. If you have that money, that capital, and you have access to it, opportunities show up, it will enhance your ability to recognize an opportunity. Because everything walking down the street is not an opportunity, right? Okay, so then if you take advantage of an opportunity and you collateralize a life insurance policy, by golly, be honest. If you value the third-party lender's money at 10, 14, and 29% credit cards, I've said it, I've seen lines of credit to accredited investors at 10 and 14%. It makes me question why they would do that, right? Well, and they do it for, you know, just like the, the All-American family. I got a HELOC. I'm just using it just in case, access to capital. How's that work out? You know, over time, I mean, it's okay. I'm not disparaging any of it. I'm just saying, if you access your capital, if you l collateralize your cash value, and you create an outstanding loan, be honest and make loan repayments. <clears throat> if you don't, <clears throat> excuse me, that's the same as valuing the third-party lender's money above yours. Mm. If you'll pay them 10 or 14%, but you're going to gripe about paying 6, 7, 8, or 5, or whatever to the life insurance company, there's something wrong with your thinking, and it needs to be adjusted. And it's so simple. And now, I can't control the interest rates. I can't control the dividend scales. I can't control anything outside of my actions, right? And then my thoughts, you know I mean? It's like, you disparage me on these, uh, you know, social media trolls and you're judging me by your own character that doesn't affect me unless i allow it right yes okay so and then all of a sudden you do that over and over and over just a matter of time time's going to pass you know you look up two years one year three years four years five years and it's like oh my gosh look at how much cash value i have do i care what the market's doing no do i care what the interest rates are no I don't care. I do not care. And that place is so liberating. Mm -hmm. and, and I encourage you to join us to get there. So where are we? We're May 16th. Wait a minute, man. I'm on a roll. Don't, don't. No, no, you're, you're right. No, I'm, I'm, I'm building on it. Okay. Yeah, I have the opportunity. I have a <clears throat> policy anniversary next week. You do? Yep. Perfect. And I can't wait to. Listen, you've Write been losing check. weight. You're looking really <laughs> nice. Let's go get another policy. What do you say? I can take you through. I can hook you up. My birthday's coming this summer. Guess we what my gift to myself is? <laughs> as much premium as I can pay. You get a back date to save age? Uh, if I need to. If I can get it beforehand, then I'll, I'll do that. But if I need to, yeah. if it's slightly after, it depends. But yeah. you know what company you're going to use? I have a strong idea. Yes, I do. Is it only one? I even know who my advisor is going to be. <laughs> <laughs> Look, do you... Uh, how many, how many, are you married to the life insurance companies? Tell me I right. am you, an independent contractor. I don't work for anybody out there and I get to choose which come. I'm highly selective about which companies I will work well, with. What do you got to do? I mean, do you look everybody? at their, is it one of the big four? I got to ask. No, <laughs> it is not. I, I, it is not. I ask that because I hear that all the time. You know, James, why don't you use a big four? Yep. I'm, I'm glad you asked. 
and then I have the opportunity to share why. And no disparagement to the big four. Not at all. Yeah. Not at all. Okay. I'm going to make one more point about this substandard rating thing. Um, kind of building off of talking about the older generations or maybe people with uh, less than spotless medical history. Uh, you know, it's okay to be where you are. You know, you can't go back and change anything in the history. Uh, you know, you can't change what that doctor put in your medical record. You, you know, you, all of that's behind you. And every bit of emotional time spent worrying about it or hand-waving or hand-wringing or all of that anxiety is not going to change it at the end of the day. Uh, so it's okay to get into a life insurance policy where you are right now. Um, or you could delay. And every moment that you delay is a segment of the most efficient cash value and death benefit generation that you are chopping off yes. the life cycle of a dividend-paying whole life insurance policy. So wait as long as you want. Uh, give up as much. You know, the opportunity cost is increasing all the time. And you, and you can add to it as much as you like. And uh, But my encouragement is to not do that and to you know embrace what we're talking about here, that your medical record, your underwriting status is what it is. The life insurance companies can't even control that. There's all sorts of guidelines that they've piled up on their backs that they've got to, they, and we want that. My gosh, when the, you're the buying regulators a policy, have piled up on the insurance yes. companies. And like when you're buying a dividend-paying whole life insurance company, you're not just buying the policy, you're buying the company. Do you want a company that's run on legitimate, solid actuarial science, or do you want a company that's going to cut corners to give you a rating class to make a sale better? Like that's, what do I want? Do I want a company that's financially robust and, and is by the book, a, built on the science? Oh, this gets me to, you know, this whole- Well, the other one- The other one is like, look, a company subsidizes its dividends. You know, they have all probably done it throughout history, but talk about legitimate books. Like, you know, you almost have to be uh, an actuary, a forensic actuary or a forensic accountant to look at the P&L statements of some of these life insurance mm -hmm. companies. I'm just saying, uh, can we just not play games? If it's a lower dividend, can I just have the dividend? I don't want to index a dividend. I don't want you to subsidize the dividend. I just want you to pay straightforward dividend. What if That's I get what a 1.2 multiplier on my oh dividend? Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, but two, well, go ahead and Often, it. So my, my final point there on the rating question <clears> is, <throat> is, and you, I get this from you, so credit due. Um, if you are rated, if you do have a less than spotless medical history, the first line of, th line of thought might be, oh, I should insure somebody else. My encouragement is to rethink your thinking on that. Because if you decline the opportunity to purchase life insurance when it's offered to you at the rating at which it is offered, and you allow time to march on, if one other major medical event occurs, or if your attained age rises and the mortality cost along with it rises, you might just become totally uninsurable. So rather than turning around to see who else you can insure, my admonishment, my encouragement is, like you say, James, to back up the truck and buy as much death benefit to pay as much premium as that life insurance company will allow you to. 
Right. And That's I have to exactly say this right. happened with a family member in my in, in my own family. Right. We submitted uh, was it two or three years ago? Uh, table rated, right? Table table rated. And you know, not a or B, right? Table like legitimately table they're, rated. They're all called table ratings. Yeah. Table A, table B, table C, table D. Right. And for legitimate reason. I mean, there was a hospitalization, there was a there was a legitimate reason for a table rating. And we did. We backed up the truck. Get as much death benefit as possible. That's and, and do you know what happened not six months later? No. An additional hospitalization due to high blood pressure. Instantly uninsurable. Given where she was, given her medical history, had this additional medical event been included in the record at the time of application, forget table rated. Sorry, we can't we can't extend it. That's what would have happened. Right. But because we applied her before that, and not because we saw the future coming, you know, we didn't know that that was going to happen. Of course, didn't want it to happen. But because we applied when we did, and we we got the policy in force, and now she's got the ability to pay premium for as long as she as long as the industry will allow, and God will let her walk around. You know. And it was constructed properly, so. It's not going to Mac in the future. Nope. Didn't it's sacrifice gonna... the integrity of the policy. <laughs> exactly. You know, and we did back up the truck. So we, she wasn't <clears throat> able to pay the full PUA in the first year. Mm. Oh, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay with the companies we work with. Sounds like it worked out. I mean, you kind of look back and it's like. Yeah. That's, um, I'm glad you mentioned that. And I, and I appreciate the credit. Whenever a company, a legitimate company makes you an offer, at whatever rating, and there are some ratings. I mean, I've and I learned this long ago um, in my career. These life insurance companies are deadly accurate. Pardon mm. my pun, right? They're just properly pricing the death benefit. They know how many fifty-five-year-old men are going to die this year, next year, ten years from now. They know how many 27-year-old females are going to die this year, next year, and 10 years from now. They are very accurate. So if they're legitimate, and most all of these companies that are in the, the, the most, all of mutual life insurance companies are legitimate companies. And even an awful lot of the stock companies are legitimate, okay? <laughs> Listen, whenever they make an offer and you're insurable, and we all have limitations on our insurability, age, and income and health, right? Age and health. Financially, it's income and assets. So there's medical underwriting, financial underwriting. All right. And so we're all limited. Nobody can be overinsured. The hucksters that, oh my gosh, going back in history, I'm I'm worth more dead than I am alive. Well, you should do better in life. Right? <laughs> this I I'm overinsured. You cannot legally, legitimately be overinsured. It is not possible. Okay, at the time of underwriting anyway. All right. My point is this. Whenever there's a legitimate offer, it is back it is thank you for the offer. How much will you issue with the information that you have? I don't want to continue any more underwriting. How much will you give me right now? And then you reconstruct the policy Get it in force. Oh, there's right. a whole nother reconstructing a policy. Yeah, I, have yeah. to, I might have to adjust the design based on an underwriting. Ooh. Oh, and then too, I mean, we're going back and I'm just rounding out this, buttoning up this idea of younger people. Listen, 
build the correct foundation. If you want to become your own banker, you want to leave a legacy, you want to just be active in the financial world, uh, you want to participate in the economics of your life successfully, okay? You start with yourself, whomever you are. If you're insurable, you get policies in force on you. If you're not insurable, you know, there's a potential, the possibility that you can transfer your insurability to a spouse if you have one or to your children if you're uninsurable. Right, Nelson has one page about, oh, what if I'm uninsurable? He spent a limited amount of time on it, but it's very powerful there. Okay, build the correct foundation. If you build the correct foundation, and there is a correct foundation, and there is a correct path to expansion, okay? Yourself, your spouse, your children, business partners, yourself, your spouse, your children, all right? And so there's a correct way to do it. Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> I feel no. That's good. Uh, so that was you know. Uh, well, the last thing I'll say on ratings is that, uh, like you said, it's it's not the end of the world if you're not insurable. I mean, we'll take care of that. You know, if it's, if we need to. What does that mean? If I'm not insurable and you're going to take care of that, you're going to pay a death benefit if I die. What do you mean? I mean, we'll find a way <laughs> to get you to become your own banker with the appropriate policy in the case that you're not insurable. Thank you. That's what I mean. Uh, I'm doing that right now with some people. Got a medications you know dictionary full of them so listen and it's okay you know to 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 continue to improve you know if you don't know how can you address something if you don't know if you have a health issue and you don't know i mean you're shortening your life expectancy right you know um if you do have health issues just be proactive don't abdicate your responsibility in that field either you know and it's who doesn't want to improve Mm -hmm. you know it's okay to know where you're at Well, they think they're improving when they expand. I mean, uh, of course they don't want to improve. They'd all go home tomorrow. Close the doors. <laughs> oh, I know. I saying all of them. The judge uh, going to get you. <laughs> I, 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 let me say, I don't remember what episode this is. It's coming out. A, a friend, a client came as a guest, very gracious. And if I had to be judged by a peer or a, a, a human being, I would want it to be him. Mm-hmm. All right. All right, so are we going to work in? Uh, let's get let's let's wrap this up with some stories from the front line. I know you've been itching. My gosh, can keep you. I've, in I've already any shared particular segment for <laughs> <laughs> at all. Uh, so what happened this week, James? Anything on your mind that you want to share? <laughs> well, now here this is like last week. <clears throat> um, it was on a Friday, culminating the week. You know, I mean, we work daylight to dark. I mean, we're we're. I know we make it look easy. <laughs> but we work the the staff my in this office and this practice is incredible um you know they're the reasons i'm able to make it look easy thank you and and my clients know um how professional and competent the staff is anyway last friday i'm you know it's been it was a long week i fired three clients or three people that were in the process <laughs> You know, and I'm just sharing that, that, you know, when you reach out to us, and you should, I mean, if you want to practice the infinite banking concept, there's the greatest policies in the universe, the best policies in the universe, the best plans in the universe come from Alvarado, Texas, okay? And I have both feet on the ground, and I'm just um, sharing 
Do you? Do your feet go all the way to the ground? No. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Goliath here. <laughs> um, so anyway, for whatever reason, and, and it turns out these people have gone through other people's uh, engaged in other people's processes and and then they're not they don't disclose that up front and if you're engaged in other agents or advisors processes god bless you go through their process take that to a a complete end whether you become their client or y'all part ways i don't want to armchair quarterback any of them Um, most of the legitimate people in the infinite banking world are friends or colleagues i mean we know them um there's the hucksters and the fringe people that are, you know, trying to talk about life insurance and infinite banking that, you know, have their click funnels. I mean, they're not even legitimate financial people, in my opinion. But they're great marketers, you know. God bless you. I'm not disparaging that ability. Anyhow, um, so it, it's kind of it's emotional, you know. Whenever oh we, yeah, um, agree to encourage people to move on. Um, anyway. Uh, last week, I mean, I'm getting to the point here. There's, you know, a couple of people in our process that, you know, thank you very much. We can't be of service. I appreciate you. Wish you the best. Um, and there's some troll comments, you know, on social media that, that, you know, I don't allow them to be released because they're speaking out of spite or ignorance or both. But, you know, you, you have a tendency to, you got to be careful to let not let the negativity affect you, right? So yeah. I wasn't doing that great of a job last Friday. <laughs> Opportunity for improvement. <laughs> Always, every day. <clears throat> but then, lo and behold, I get a letter. And, uh-huh. and I don't have it in front of me, but it said along the lines of, and this is Felipe. Thank you, Felipe. Brand new client. And he says, James, I just want to say thank you to you and your team. We've gone through your incredible process. And... A, a substantial premium check. I mean, it's substantial. Mm-hmm. It's substantial. It's legitimate. And he, and so the premium check was enclosed, and he's saying thank you. And he says, um, I had, this is my sixth policy. My premium is just about equal to my income. I, that's not where we started, you know, at all. He's a relatively new client. And it was so encouraging to say, to read that, you know, after a hard kind of a week. Yeah. And, and I mean, substantial premiums and saying, thank you. Your process is incredible. Your people are incredible. Thank you. And it's like, wow, this is why I do what I do, you know, for that people. He said, thank you on the behalf of me, my family, my future children, the future IBC practitioners. He's thinking two and three generations in the past. And this guy, this guy has done his homework, mm-hmm. right? And now little did I know that some of the previous policies, I found out this week, some of the previous policies are written with other agents and he's like, James, can you be the agent? Can you be the agent? Can you be the agent? <laughs> and anyway, that's one story from the front line. No, I have that's more. Good. That's good you mentioned, uh, just as you were talking, a couple stories are very similar. We talked about them earlier in the week, but. Um, focusing on the positive. Yeah, I had one guy, you know, they travel, you probably will know who I'm talking about, but uh, they travel around the country in an RV and got kids and uh, watched a lot of the episodes, read the book, and um, just the most, you know, there's this Hollywood depiction of commerce 
where successful people, you know, it's always got to be cutthroat and it's always got to be, I'm getting something by you and all this. And that, that whole, and I don't think that we, uh, identify it and and I don't think we're aware of it. We kind of just assume that if someone's doing well in business or if they're doing well economically that, you know, they must be, uh, and a lot of them are thick skinned or, you know, they're, they're tough or it's got to be combative and yeah, somehow oh my God. you know all the war analogies you start pouring in um <laughs> you know that's just a myth is my is yeah. the experiences that i have with clients who like you say and when i when we say a paying substantial premium it's all relative to somebody's circumstances right Absolutely. It, it, it's a you know compared to the income compared to the available premium source you know the ability to pay wherever you are and so we say someone's doing paying a substantial premium given their financial circumstances and the conversation is just pleasant and they've done their homework it's like you know, the life insurance company is going to be late sending the commission check anyway. So, I, it, it, you know, I, I live off of that mutual respect, the you know, getting to hear in their voice, the light bulb moments. You know, they've got a few questions that we haven't touched on maybe or you know, they're still unsure about. And we clarify that and you just you hear the satisfaction over the phone or on the video call or whatever. It's just a superior way of doing commerce, you know? Uh, so that's my positive story. <laughs> like you, that was, you know, bookended right up to a less than positive story. And you said, <laughs> you say it a lot and it's true. Most people's conception of life insurance based on other people's misconceptions. And that goes for other advisors, misconceptions of life insurance. And so you know, we have, I get people sometimes who they've, like you said, they've gone through or they're currently in other advisors' processes and God bless them, you know. Quite frankly, about uh, half of those are abusive from what I hear. Yeah, well, I, and I tell people, you know, I, I, I don't even, I don't really care who the other, I don't, you know, it's oh, not no. none of my business, but no, no. Uh, just like you said, you know, see, see that relationship through to a satisfactory end and you get to decide what satisfactory is. If that's, if that means you're going to get policy or policies from them, God bless you. God bless them. If that means you're going to exit their process promptly, I mean, God bless you both, right? Just see that through to a satisfactory end because when it comes time for us to do business, by gosh, we're going to do business, right? I'm going to respect your time. I'm respecting my time. We're going to be efficient about it. We're going to get a policy in force so that you can maximize your capital generation over the course of your lifetime and improve your generations that will come after you, their financial success. We're going to get down to, and I, like you said, I got no interest in armchair quarterbacking or training agents for free through the phone. The opportunity caught, I did a little, we talked about this earlier. <laughs> I did a little math. He was little, shocked. He shocked himself. <laughs> I did a little opportunity. You know, I like the idea, let's help others, you know, bring up others and that's all legitimate but i did a little analysis of the opportunity costs involved and it's like oh you know so i'm just well let's just spend a little bit more time on that because you were like you had <laughs> like, some revelations oh. that are going on <laughs> yeah and well at the end of the day i was wrong it, it's it should be obvious and it now thoroughly is that the best use of my time is in serving the people who have done their homework who yes. want to become their own banker who want to pay a legitimate premium that is the best use of time period end you of story you shouldn't be cha- you shouldn't be training agents you shouldn't be uh, combating people who have a misunderstanding of life insurance based on somebody else's misconception 
uh, or they're like you know a national church leader director for their financial program in a church yeah and i don't have time so trying to put you on the defensive exactly insult your intelligence and your character based on their ignorance and i'm just saying (laughs) you know if we spend 30 minutes on the phone Mm -hmm. and i know he's probably listening but this is what it is Uh oh if in 30 minutes you tell me three different times how proud you are to be anal about they're probably am. i mean okay um you know i i've got uh, this positive experience i had the positive experience that you referred to i've got these fulfilling meaningful wonderful conversations and business to do uh and unfortunately i just don't have that kind of time to re to 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 go back and reevaluate and correct the preconceived notions. I had an email from a guy, you know, asking, and it's like I just get beat down by it. Now I have this rule: it's like I'll give anybody twenty minutes on, on an introductory call. I'm kind of instances like this are making me rethink that rule. If you you, know, you send me an email and you want to know about net zero policy loans and the four percent guarantee and the one and the one and two percent addition to the guarantee and you know you want to get build up as much cash value as possible in the first year so that you can go invest in cash flow real estate and you want to become a referral source. This was all in one email. Okay, I'm exhausted. Sounds traumatic. I'm exhausted. <laughs> I've just read through that and it's like I, just like you say, I, every minute I spent is a minute I will never get back. After having read that, you know, and so it's unfor. It's like a, a little idealist in me wants to be like, oh, if something's gone wrong in the past, let's try to let's do our best to fix it. Sure. And my opportunity for improvement is to recognize that I can't help everybody, and that the 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 market is like you say, you know, the market will find your weakness and it'll just crush you until you adapt, you know? It'll stomp all over. <laughs> it'll just beat you down. Until it's you like, okay, it. I hear you. Yep. You know, uh, the time is better spent with the, those individuals who haven't, unfortunately, or who fortunately have not developed those uh, incorrect preconceived notions, be it because they watched the internet marketing hucksters or because they were engaged in another advisor's process who couldn't get the wall of numbers in front of them fast enough. Oh, yeah. You know? That's not to say that if you've been previously engaged with others that you're instantly off the table. Don't get me wrong. I mean, in fact, it's quite the opposite. It's like if you've developed the uh, awareness, the ability to properly classify going back to nelson if you've if you've been through the ringer and you've already acknowledged those preconceived notions and hopefully discarded them then you know the path is clear we can get some business done you know we'll we'll get you the ability to pay a premium Um, however if on the other hand we've become wedded to those preconceived notions and perhaps because you made a financial decision based on those preconceived notions and are therefore more wedded to those preconceived notions. Just know that it's going to be very difficult and probably not possible to move forward in, you know, right now, 2020 America, you know, at present, right? We've got it. There's just, yeah, time I, is better spent. You know, otherwise, the, the way about. I see it, look, there's over, I don't know, a hundred hours a video or audio 
that we put out that I put out previously. Um, if you can't figure out my character, yeah. if you can't figure out your character, um, it's not about me. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like you should be able to properly classify. And I am so appreciative of the people that reach out because what I hear every day, day in and day out, and it's a little negative stuff that, you know, try to keep off of you. But, yeah. And that's rare. What I hear consistently every day is, James, thank you for your effort. Thank you for your work. Thank you for your education. Thank you for what you're doing. And, and every day I hear how positive and competent and pleasant the staff here is, the team. They're like, oh, my gosh, do you realize you need to give them a raise? You need to give them a bonus. You need to give them a raise. And I'm like, yes, I know. Everybody here is underpaid. I get it. Um, and that is like they probably don't hear it as much as I do. Mm. It's like, man, Carol this and Julie that and Cammy this and Jake that. It's just thank you. Um, very positive and it is such a difference um, as a financial person trying to sell a product, right? <gasps> Selling I know. Product. <laughs> um, and nothing wrong with salesmen, you know, I'm just saying that compared to properly educating and clarifying because they've done their homework. They've done their legitimate research, Nelson Nash's work, right? And some others, I mean, I'm not saying there's not good things popping up on the right, but you got to walk through an awful lot of trash to get to some value. My opinion, when you take the time, you know, I don't know how many times I've had people say, thank you, James, for mentioning the eight hour seminar of Nelson. It's like, oh yeah. my gosh. Yeah. Um, then they come and it's like, I just, like you mentioned earlier, I have a couple of questions. I think I understand this, but I just need clarification on this or that. And it's like, how much can I pay? I'm leaving. You get it. <laughs> oh, yeah. And how am I going to expand? There's this, 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 and this. How? It's, it makes work pleasant. Mm-hmm. So, sure okay. Does. What else? Listen, I'm just keeping in mind hungry. that the state of Texas has allowed this barbecue joint to open and what I, you know <laughs> let me let me bring this up this is uh, what is today today's the 16th of May, May. yeah All right. and, and I'm kicking around this you know this great suppression strangulation oppression destruction uh, yeah the, the destruction the the intent the purposeful intent to destroy Destroy capitalism in America. Criminalization of commerce. Oh my gosh. It's, I just want to say I apologize for being so uh, generous in my terminology when I address this corona hoax. Like, oh, I know there's a legitimate virus going on. And I'm like, no, there is a virus and people die. People die every day. Um, this destruction of capitalism is beyond criminal. And I don't know how more straightforward I can be conveying that we need to, we collectively need to realize what's going on and do something about it. And let me say that the infinite banking concept is the antithesis of what's going on in the economy. The destruction of all these businesses by brute force um, 
if these businesses, it would have been helpful, it wouldn't have hurt, it wouldn't have compounded the problem if they'd had legitimate access to capital and not dependent upon third-party lenders. I'm just being encouraging. Okay. Yeah. And I'm ready for a barbecue today. All right, Sweet. let's go. Peace. All right, bye. Love, peace, and chicken grease. Thanks. <laughs> Live free and independent. Thank you for joining us on the Banking with Life podcast. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure to like and subscribe and click on that little notification bell. Otherwise, join us on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher for weekly content. 